I waited and waited and waited for God. At last, he looked, finally he listened. And he lifted me out of the ditch. He pulled me from deep mud. He stood me up on a solid rock to make sure that I wouldn't slip. He taught me how to sing the latest God song. We're at Eugene and Jan Peterson's home. Bono is coming here, flying here from Vancouver, in order to meet, be together, connect as friends, but also have a conversation about the Psalms in order to share this common love for the Psalm and bear witness to others of the beauty and power of the Psalms. Now look at this. It's so good to have you here. Great to see you. Oh, God bless you. Well, God's blessed you, that's for sure. <laughs> Look where you live! <laughs> Quite a spot. What is your earliest memory of the Psalms? And what sort of impression did it have on you both? I was 12 years old when I discovered the Psalms, and I was totally confused because I grew up in a culture where every word in the Bible was the word of God, literally. Don't mess around with it, it's just, that's the way it is. And I was starting to read uh, that he keeps my tears in this bottle, uh, shields, <laughs> uh, javelins, uh, rock, God is a rock, come on. And, um, after about two or three weeks of this, I just was just confused, and I thought, I'm missing something. And uh, I'd never heard the word metaphor before, but I learned what a metaphor was, not by knowing the name, but by just observing what's going on in the Psalms. So I think the Psalms are important because they, for some people, like me, at 12 years old, they showed me that imagination was, um, was a way to get inside the truth. I remember the Psalms from the little Church of Ireland church. Um, uh, when I was a child going. I remember thinking great words, shame about the tunes. Uh, <laughs> except for The Lord is My Shepherd, which was a great tune. And I really liked that. This is good. Words and melodies. Ah! They have this rawness, the brutal honesty of whether it's David or not, it doesn't matter. The psalmist is brutally honest about the explosive joy um, that he's feeling and the deep sorrow or confusion. And it's that that makes, that sets the psalms apart for me. And, and I often think, gosh, well, why isn't church music more like that? You know, I read uh, this week it took Bono about uh, 10 minutes to write that song. And uh, I think that's because he borrowed the words from uh, Psalm 40. And uh, that's why it's called 40. But it's a, there's just a great story behind that. And his love for God, his love for the Psalms. And 
uh, they were at the end of a recording session and uh, for, for their album War, and they had just a few minutes left and they needed one more song on the album. So he took those words from, from the first three or so verses of Psalm 40, turned it into a song. He took, essentially what he did was what he talked about in that interview. He took uh, the old words of a 3,000 year old Hebrew Psalm, he gave them a new tune, and now it's become uh, one of U2's favorite songs of all time. And I think that's because the concepts expressed in that song, in those, what, three, four dozen words, they're timeless concepts. They're something that we as humanity share with one another. No matter what our culture, there's this feeling that there are times when we have a need, when we're desperate, when we're stuck in the pit or the miry clay, depending on which translation you have. And so we hear a song like that, and it kind of lifts us up because it gives us that encouragement that there is a God out there who cares for us. And we cry out and we say, how long, Lord, am I going to sing this song? And I look to you to deliver me from whatever the difficulty that, that I'm facing might be. And I think that's part of the reason why the Psalms have that timeless appeal about them, because they speak to the deepest parts of our humanity. And I loved uh, listening to Bono and Eugene Peterson talk about how they fell in love with the Psalms when they were, what, 12, 13 years old, which was pretty much the same age that I first uh, encountered, the song, uh, encountered the Psalms. And, you know, and Bono talks about how he loved the metaphorical language. He loved the raw and honest language of the Psalms because it expressed what was on his heart. And if you've ever listened to U2 songs, you realize there's this, this brutal honesty, this authenticity, this frankness, this rawness uh, to the lyrics that Bono writes. Same sort of thing with Eugene Peterson. When he first encountered the Psalms, he's confused by the figurative language, but he didn't let it go. And he kept after it. And after a while, he figured out that there was uh, an expressiveness to that kind of language that was missing from the language that he was so often used to. And he went on to become an author, and he actually translated the Bible into extremely colloquial language. It's the, the message translation of the Bible. And if you've ever read anything from that translation, Bono actually read the section of Psalm 40 from that translation, you realize how much Eugene Peterson was influenced by the metaphorical language of the Psalms. I think about my earliest memory of the Psalms. I was about 13 years old, and I had just come to faith in Jesus. And my father uh, gave me a Bible, and I was so excited to have this Bible. I started reading it, and I decided I'm going to read this thing from cover to cover. Day one, I read the entire book of Genesis in one sitting because I was so excited to find out more about this God who had saved me, who had rescued me, and I wanted to know more about him. I wanted to know, know more about how he wanted to live my life, uh, how, um, how I could relate to him. So I started reading right at the beginning, turning page after page after page, made it all the way through the book of Genesis over the next several weeks, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the way through. And then, I don't know, about five, six weeks later, I came to the book of Psalms and everything came to a grinding halt. There are 150 Psalms and I couldn't handle more than one or two Psalms in, in, in one day 
because there was so much emotion in them. And if you know my background, I was like a math, science, sports kind of a guy, which is an interesting combination, the math and the science and the sports, to figure out how to put, put all that together. But I'm a 13-year-old boy, and 13-year-old boys don't do emotions very well, or at least I thought that 13-year-old boys don't do emotions well. Now, from the other side of it, 13-year-old boys do emotions all the time. They just don't realize that they're very emotional beings. I just couldn't figure out, I couldn't wrap my mind around what was going on in the Psalms. So actually, for many years, I never really appreciated the Psalms. They were just too difficult for me to, to understand and to relate to my life. And I guess that's why a guy named Paul Hewson became Bono, and a guy named Clay Poor became Clay Poor, you know? But now, many years later, I won't tell you how many years later, I've fallen in love with the Psalms in the same way that Bono and Eugene Peterson have fallen in, in, in love with them. And I'm never going to be Bono, able to write poetry and, and, and set it to music, or Eugene Peterson and, and take the Bible and express it in the language of the day, in, in colloquial, uh, familiar type language. I'm not the poet, but I still need the words to express the feelings and the emotions and, and what's going on in my heart when I encounter God when I encounter different situations in my life. And so over the years, the Psalms have become, for me, a way to pray, a way to worship God, a way to process the, the circumstances and the emotions that I encounter, uh, really, in, in my daily life. They express emotions for me that I can't always put into words. You know, so think about this. When we go out into nature, right, people talk about all the time, how when they're climbing the mountains, when they're at the, when they're at the shore, uh, when they're looking up at the night sky, we feel closer to God. We feel connected to something that's bigger than we are. We realize that there's something more to the world than just me, myself, and I. But sometimes we have difficulty, at least I do, expressing that and putting that into, into words that express what's going on in my heart. Usually, for me, it's just I look at and I just say, wow, or that's amazing, that's awesome. I don't have more than that that I can say. There's more that I want to say, but I have sometimes difficulty expressing it. And that's why I look to a psalm like Psalm 8. Psalm 8 was written by uh, Israel's King David, and he puts it this way. He says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory in the heavens. When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you've set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You know, before David became king of Israel, he was a shepherd. And so he obviously spent many, many nights out in the fields with his sheep. And you didn't have light pollution, you know, back 3,000 years ago. So he could see uh, the heavens, he could see the stars, he could see the moon, he could see different constellations, he could see the Milky Way. And as, he, as he's standing there or, or, or lying there on his back, just looking up at the stars in the heavens, he's overwhelmed. He's overwhelmed because he realizes that there's a God out there who created all of this. And God's creation, the heavens, are so much bigger 
than David is. And then he stops and he says, wait a second. This God who created all of this cares about me? What is, what is mankind that you're mindful of them? Who am I that the God of the universe should be interested in me? And so Psalm 8 is an expression of David's awe and wonder at the God who created this incredible universe and at the God who wants to have a relationship with him. David actually wrote about half the Psalms in the Bible. Six, seven, eight other men wrote the rest of the Psalms, but David wrote at least half of the Psalms in the Bible. And he and the other authors of the Psalms wrote out of their life experiences. So when we read the Psalms, it's kind of like we're reading someone's journal or someone's diary. They're reflections on life, they're reflections on God, they're reflections on the situations that they encounter in their day-to-day lives, except they don't write them in, in journal or diary type form. They write them in poetry, they write them in songs, and in fact, the Psalms were originally sung. We don't have the music preserved for us, we just have the words preserved for us. So someone like Bono takes Psalm 40, puts a new tune to it, and he ends up singing a new song, doing exactly what Psalm 40 says, sing to the Lord a new song. That's what Bono did with Psalm 40. And so the, song, the Psalms are these poems or these songs, these, these hymns of praise to God that are written with the intent that other people would read them. You write a journal, you write a diary, it's just for yourself. But the Psalms are written for other people to read them and to use them, to use them in worship, to use them to express and to process and understand the feelings and experiences that we're having. And no matter what's going on in our lives, we can find a psalm that we can relate to. So think about frustration, think about anger. Frustration and anger are part of our experience as human beings who are living life in this, in this broken world. And sometimes we think that Something's wrong if we're frustrated. Something's wrong if we're angry. And sometimes that's true. Other times it's not. And, and then we get this idea that we who are followers of Jesus, we should never approach God when we're angry. We shouldn't express our anger to God or should we say even at God, our frustration with him because we think that he's going to be really upset with us and he's going to lash out at us. But in fact, we should express the emotions that we have in our hearts, including frustration and including anger, we should pray when we're upset. Look at the opening verses of Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? And David goes on to express his frustration essentially that God is allowing these things to happen to him and he feels like God is silent. And so he's expressing that frustration. He's expressing that anger with God and he wasn't afraid to say so. David wasn't afraid to express his frustration to God. He didn't try to hide his feelings. And I think that's because he knew that God already knows what's on our hearts. He already knows what we're thinking. He already knows what we're feeling. And so if we're going to be honest with God, why not tell him exactly what's going on in our hearts? The one caveat being, 
We need to do it respectfully. David didn't go and whine and complain to other people and say, what's up with God? What's the deal with God? Why isn't he answering my prayers? Why is he letting my enemies prevail? Why is he allowing and whatever it is? Instead, he said, no, I'm going to turn to God. It's an expression of David's frustration, yes, but it's also an expression of David's faith in God. So he turned to God with his frustration. He turned to God with his anger, and he did it in a respectful way. And this idea that God already knows what's on our hearts, David actually expresses that in Psalm 139. He says, you've searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit. You know when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, you know it completely. I mean, think about that. If, if you step back and, and analyze what David is saying, he's talking about God's omniscience. He's talking about God's omnipresence. God's omniscience being God knows everything that there is to know, including what's on our hearts, what's on our minds. God's omnipresence, he's everywhere. We can't get away from him. If you read Psalm 139, you realize that David is talking about God's omniscience and his omnipresence, but he's not doing it in some sort of a, of a dry theological treatise. He's, he's doing it as a man who's trying to process, trying to understand, as a man who's reflecting on this amazing God who's not bound by space, who's not bound by time. So rather than writing some sort of a dry theological treatise, he writes a poem, he writes a song, and he just says, God, you're amazing. Before a word is on my tongue, before I speak it, Lord, you know it completely with the implication that, of course, of course I should speak it. You want me to speak it because you already know it and you want to have that authentic, that open, that honest relationship with me. And so for me, and I think for so many other people, Bono, Eugene Peterson, Psalms like that give us language that we can use to express our response to what God reveals to us about himself. So when you encounter something about God, you can so often find in the Psalms some way to express that and reflect that back to God. That's part of the reason that God gave us the Psalms. That clip that we saw with Bono and Eugene Peterson, it's part of a longer conversation that they had. And at one point, they actually talked about our need to be able to express our anger in a constructive way. I love the way that Eugene Peterson puts it. He says, we need to find a way to cuss without cussing. And the imprecatory Psalms surely do that. We've got to have some way to tell people how mad we are. About 10% of the Psalms are what Peterson refers to as imprecatory Psalms. They're Psalms in which the writer cries out against his enemies, cries out against those who stand in opposition to God, cries out with his frustration. Watch what David says in Psalm 58. He uses some pretty strong language. He says, do you rulers indeed speak justly? Do you judge people with equity? No. In your heart, you devise injustice, and your hands mete out violence on the earth. Break the teeth in their mouths, O God. Lord, tear out the fangs of those lions. May they be like a slug that melts away as it moves along, 
like a stillborn child that never sees the sun. The righteous will be glad when they are avenged, when they dip their feet in the blood of the wicked. Then people will say, surely the righteous still are rewarded. Surely there is a God who judges the earth. That's some pretty strong language. And it makes us feel uncomfortable. We don't like that kind of a language. But Eugene Peterson talks about it. And he says, we need to understand that language. We need to understand the imprecatory Psalms in light of the overall storyline of the Bible in the context of not just the Psalms, but in the context of the entire Bible that talks about God as a judge who will always judge rightly, who always does what is just and right and true and good. And what David is crying out, he sees the injustice in the world. He sees the poor and the needy being oppressed. And he says, God, stop them. Don't let them continue with that. You're a God of justice. You're a God of righteousness. You're a God of truth. You're a God who cares about the poor and needy. Rise up, God, and punish those people who are oppressing others. Bring justice to this world. And then people will praise you and say, there is a God in heaven who is just and who is right and who is good. And you, O Lord, will be praised. And so when we read Psalms like that, it helps us to understand that yes, there is a God in heaven who cares about injustice, who is as outraged by the injustice and the oppression and the pain and the hurt and all of the man-made problems in this world. He's just as outraged by those as we are. And it gives us language to express our outrage to him in a way that's ultimately pleasing to him and lines up our hearts with his hearts. The Psalms also give us language that we can use to cry out to God when we see the brokenness inside of ourselves, when we see the sin, when we see the way that we hurt other people, when we see the way that we disobey God, when we have frustration, when we have guilt, when we feel shame for the things that we've done. Listen to what David says in Psalm 51. He starts off by saying, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. We're actually going to spend some time looking at, at Psalm 51 next week. It's such a rich and such a deep psalm, but, but think about it for, for just a minute. This was written a thousand years before Jesus arrived on the scene. A thousand years before Jesus arrives on the scene, David is crying out and saying, I'm broken, I'm sinful, I've disobeyed you, I've hurt other people, would you have mercy on me? Would you forgive me? Would you cleanse me from my sin? From my sin? And he's doing it with the expectation that God will indeed answer his prayer. And so 3,000 years later, 2,000 years after the birth of Christ, we can cry out to God using that same language and say, because of what Jesus has done, Lord, would you forgive me? Would you cleanse me? Would you put a new heart and a new spirit in me? Because I know that that ultimately is pleasing to you. One reason that, that God gave us the Psalms is, is to teach us how to pray. Donald Whitney uh, is a 
a man who uh, was a pastor for about 20 years, and then he became a seminary professor. And he, he puts it this way. He says, God gave the Psalms to us so that we would give the Psalms back to God. I love the way he says that. God gave the Psalms to us so that we would give the Psalms back to him. So whatever's going on in our lives, whatever experiences we're having, whatever we're encountering, whatever emotions that we're feeling, God has given us a psalm, at least one, sometimes many psalms that we can use to express what's on our hearts and what, what's on our minds, what we're thinking and what we're feeling. And, and he actually, uh, uh, Donald Whitney actually wrote a book on how to pray scripture, how to use the Bible to pray and to express the thoughts that we have. And it's called Praying the Bible, obvious, you know, obvious title. And I read it. I love what he, what he writes in that. If you've got some time, grab that book on Amazon, take a look at it, use it. I think it'll be helpful uh, in your prayer life. And he actually talks about using the Psalms specifically, and he goes through an example uh, with Psalm 23. And I want to spend a little bit of time on Psalm 23 this morning. That's the one that Bono sang at the end of, at the, end of the uh, interview clip there. He sang using a tune that he remembered from when he was a boy. It was kind of cool as I was listening to that. And I remember that exact same tune, halfway around the world. He was in Ireland, I was in Connecticut, and uh, just roughly at the same time singing that exact same tune. And it moved me in some sense in the same way as it, as it moved Bono. Psalm 23 is probably the best known psalm uh, in the Bible. David is using his experience as a shepherd. And he writes about how God cares for us in the same way that his shepherd cares for his sheep. So let's kind of walk through the first few verses of it and see how we can use a psalm to help us to pray. So you start, just read the first verse, the first phrase or so. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And you might start off by praying something like, Lord, thank you for being my shepherd. Thank you for caring for me. Thank you for caring for my family. You know, as I think about what's going on in my life, I've got this meeting coming up this afternoon, Lord. I ask that you would help me, that you would meet my need by helping me to prepare well for this meeting. Help me to know what I should say in the meeting. Help me to know what, when I should keep my mouth shut in the meeting. Help me to interact with my coworkers in a way that's pleasing to you. You know, and then maybe my thoughts are going to turn to my family members. Lord, please shepherd my family members. My daughter has her finals uh, this week, Lord. Uh, please help her to know that you care for her. Help her to know that you love her. Help her to know that you're her shepherd. And help her, too, to remember the things that she studied. You know, let me pause for just a second. God already knows all those things. But just as Psalm 139 said... He wants us to express them to God. So there's nothing wrong. In fact, it's good to express to God what's on our hearts in those situations. So after you prayed for a little bit of while, a little time on that verse, maybe nothing else comes to your mind. Move on to the next verse. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Maybe I'm feeling emotionally exhausted. And so I, I just need to, to pray, Lord, I need some refreshment. I need the proverbial green pasture. I need some cool, refreshing water for my soul because I'm just drained. So would you provide that for me? Maybe I'm feeling physically tired. Lord, would you help me to just find time to take a nap? Or, or I'm gonna be approaching my boss this week and ask, ask her for some vacation time. 
would you just move her heart that she'd grant my request because I just need some time off. He guides me along right paths. Next verse. He guides me along right paths for his name's sake. I've got this difficult decision to make, Lord. Give me wisdom. Show me the right path. Help me to know what you want me to do in that situation. Or maybe, maybe for you that verse doesn't relate to you as you're reading through it. Just skip it and move on. There's no rule that says you have to use every single verse as you're praying through. You just go through and you find the verses that speak to you that day in that moment and personalize and make them your own. Even though, verse 4, I walk through the valley, the, the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Lord, I don't fully understand that whole thing about the rod and the staff, but I do get the idea of walking through a dark valley. And as I think about, as I think about my friend, you know, he is really afraid right now of the situation that he's encountering. Would you just give him peace? Would you remove that anxiety that he has? Would you replace his fear with your peace? And so you keep working through the psalm, phrase after phrase, verse after verse, praying through the parts that, and personalizing the parts that really strike you, skip over the parts that, that don't. You don't even have to make it all the way to the end. The particular details of your prayers and my prayers are going to differ from one another, and our prayers are going to differ from day to day. But we can use the Psalms to spark ideas and to give us language to express what's on our hearts. Donald Whitney in his book gives a very practical suggestion for how we can pray uh, one psalm each day. It takes five, five to ten minutes. And he, he says, start by scanning five psalms, just five psalms. Take a minute or two and you bounce your way very quickly through five psalms. You find one that you can relate to, and then you take another five to seven minutes to pray through that psalm like we just did. So there are 150 psalms in the Bible. There are roughly 30 days in each month. That's where we get the five psalms from. And so today, being June 5th, you would start with Psalm 5. You take a quick look at it. You, you just skim it. You don't have to read every word. You just get a basic idea of what it's focusing on. If it strikes you, if it moves you, you stop right there and you use Psalm 5 and you pray through it in the way that we kind of demonstrated there with Psalm 23. But if it doesn't strike you, if nothing from Psalm 5 jumps out at you, add 30 to 5 and you get Psalm 35. Take a look at Psalm 35 and see if something there strikes you. If it doesn't, add another 30, jump to Psalm 65, then Psalm 95, then Psalm 125. When you've skimmed through two, three, four minutes, when you've skimmed through those five psalms almost every day, you're going to find something that you can relate to, something that strikes you, something that's meaningful to you. Grab that psalm, personalize it, pray through it for five, six, seven minutes. Tomorrow, wake up, Psalm 6, Psalm 36, Psalm 66, 96, and so on. And here's a chart on the screen that kind of lays it out for, for, for those who are a little bit more visually oriented. And then when you get to the 31st day, so I guess that doesn't happen in June, so July 31st, what do you do there? Because the math doesn't work on that. You take Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in the Bible. It has 22 stanzas with eight verses each. And so what do you do? You just scan Psalm 119 and you look at the various stanzas. You just three, four, five different stanzas until one of the stanzas, one of the groups of eight verses in Psalm 119 
jumps out at you, and then you pray that in the same way. And if, if it only takes you three or four minutes, that's fine. Or if you say, you know what, I want to go a little bit further, pick another psalm, pick another stanza in Psalm 119. It's not exactly how much time that you spend in it. It's that you're spending time with, with Scripture, with the Bible, with a book that God gave to us so that we could reflect it back to him so that we could get to know him better and we could express our hearts and our thoughts and our feelings to him. And I've used this approach to praying the Psalms. And for me, it's been really helpful and somewhat transformative in my prayer life. So God has given us the Psalms as a way of expressing to him what's on our hearts. He moved people like David to write these psalms out of their life experience so that we would have language with which we could process and pray back to God as we work through the life experiences that we have. And if you were to spend five, seven, ten minutes every day personalizing just one psalm and using it to help you to pray... I think it would revolutionize your prayer life, and I think it would transform your relationship with God. Let me encourage you. Let me challenge you. Try it for the rest of the month of June. Let me know what you think. Let me know how God uses that in your life. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you gave us the Psalms. I thank you that you moved men like David to write down their thoughts, their prayers, these songs, that you preserve the Psalms for us so that we have a record of what they were experiencing, and what they were encountering and how they were processing that so that we would have language with which we could express ourselves to you when we're in, in similar situations. And I pray for all of us that uh, we would make the effort to, to read the Psalms, to pray the Psalms, to understand the Psalms and to reflect those back to you. And I pray that as we do, we gain a, a greater appreciation for who you are, for what you've done, for how you provided for us, for how you want to have a relationship with us. And I pray that our love for you would grow and our ability to understand you and to express to you and really to the people around us who you are and what you've done for us. I pray that that would grow as well. And I pray that as that happens, you would be glorified and we would be blessed. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So good to see you guys this morning, and I hope that you have a wonderful week.